Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Talking City from the Manchester Evening News, talking about all things Manchester City. I'm James Robson, City Editor. With me is Stuart Brennan, Chief Man City Correspondent, and Ian Cheeseman, world-famous <coughs> Manchester City fan, commentator, vlogger, blogger, you I'm name so it. world-famous, over-egging it a bit, but thank you. Yeah, just famous, one of them. The only place to start is, we're, we're recording this, by the way, on Thursday, so the only place to start is what happened last night. Uh, is everyone is everyone calmed down yet? I'd imagine for you, Stu, it was pretty horrendous being in the press box, having to get your, your copy filed on time. Professionally speaking, they're a nightmare. Games like that are a nightmare, as you know, because you, you, you've got your piece written, you've got, you've got an angle... On, on the match and then Sterling does something brilliant like that and the whole situation changes everything changes and you've got a rewrite to do and you've got maybe five minutes to do it and, um, and a million other things to try and think about um, so I mean it, you live for moments like that as a journalist you know it's, obviously it wasn't on the same scale but you think back to the Aguero goal in 2012 which is probably the biggest rewrite in football history um, but you think back to that um, and you live for those moments because that's what it's all about the excitement and the drama and everything else and having to encapsulate it but in terms of the hard stuff of actually doing the job and getting the stuff over in time for your deadline for the paper and the, the deadline for the website it is an absolute nightmare Out of interest what was your angle before the goal? My angle was um, I'm still working on it to be honest Because yeah. um, it, it, it's one of those where you couldn't actually commit fully to anything because it could still go yeah yeah I was I, I was still, I mean I'd already written when, when it was 1-0 I'd written that um, City had added yet another ingredient to the title uh, the title credentials in that they'd been a bit lucky uh, I mean they dominated the game and they were the better team but they were a little bit lucky in, in the first half um, Southampton had two remarkable chances and missed them both one hit the bar and one was skied over the bar from six yards out um, and I thought they rode the luck a little bit and I said but that's what good teams do good teams mm. earn the luck and they, they've come up they also got a little bit of luck with a goal you know De Bruyne's uh, free kick uh, was, was sort of shinned into his own net by I know it's been given to De Bruyne but um, it was in my book it was an own goal it will go down as De Bruyne's goal and I, I wouldn't want to deprive him but there was a big element of luck in that um, so I, I was sort of saying that you know you title winning teams need a bit of luck at times and I thought maybe that would be the, the time when it was uh, when it would come back then when Southampton equalised you're still thinking well this could still go either way because you know what City are like they've done it time and time again haven't they, they where they, they, they get something in the last five minutes they did it at Huddersfield so I had a couple of ideas kicking around in my head about where to go um, should it stay 1-1 and I was just going to put that together at the final whistle but all got blown out the window by, by what Sterling did. Cheesy, you're on the other side 
of the coin as a as a broadcaster as a commentator so whereas for the likes of Stu and me and most of the people in the press box it's just a nightmare when that happens they might be the greatest like Stu says the greatest moments in sport but it's a nightmare if you're having to write about it for you you just get to enjoy it don't you as a as a broadcaster that they're the sort of the moments that that make you aren't they absolutely i mean i, I wish i'd been commentating on it um i miss commentating so much and and commentating on a goal like that on a mm. moment like that was absolutely the highlight of everything that you did like the aguero goal like the yaya Torre run from one end of the pitch to the other against aston villa think or, or the, the sixth goal at old trafford whatever those are the moments that that almost mm. define you as a commentator. Now I do something slightly different. Um, as soon as the final whistle went, I knew that the fans would react in a completely different way. And obviously I'm trying to produce this vlog, which is a fan-orientated vlog. And I ran round to the south stand to get some reaction from fans. And on the actual concourses, all the fans are singing, Raheem Sterling, he's top of the league. And you think, brilliant, this is absolutely fantastic. Get some of that on, on video. And then everybody's up for it. Everybody's got a, a positive reaction. And it's just exactly what you... And you know that that's going to get a good reaction from people watching it as well. So... Uh, yeah, it gives it gave me a lift. It gave the fans a lift, and it helps me. But I get it. I mean, I was I was actually sat behind Stuart in the press box watching. And I actually read some of what he was writing. I could hear, I could hear you tutting. <laughs> <laughs> and so I knew I knew uh, the dilemma that he would be faced with when when the goal went. And, and I, I empathise with that. I understand the the difficulties that you guys have. Um, but it's not one I've had to deal with because I'm, I'm I've been in different. Situate. I mean, obviously, I write columns, but that's always in the mm. cool light of day. I do vlogs. I do, you know, whatever. But it, it's in the moment stuff that I used to do on on commentary. Those were the moments you absolutely live for. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about it, things like the Martin Tyler, the Aguero moment, and uh, even Kenneth Wilson home with the it is now. Those are the moments that make legend of. Of commentators, aren't they? Well, Whereas, you know, you know me. We don't feel like that. As no, writers at all. Yeah, but you yeah. know my story from the, the Aguero goal. I've, I've told it a few times. You know that I, I went there thinking this could be my Kenneth Wollstonehall moment today mm. in that egotistical way that commentators have. And then in the middle of the commentary, Nigel Gleghorn, who was my summariser, kicked me off air and I never completed what I wanted to say. <laughs> but somebody joined up the two bits of the commentary and found what I said at the final whistle. And it actually worked perfectly. The sad thing is, from my point of view, that I can't play that ever again because I don't own the copyright to it. But it'll always be there in, in the back of my mind about you know what I said and how I said it. And obviously, I can listen to it myself, even though I can't if I can't broadcast it. But you know, th those are the types of moments that define you as a commentator. Now, this incredible run goes on. Um, that's that's twelve straight league wins, is it? And that's a that's a club record, isn't it, for, mm -hmm. yep. for City? Um, of course, they've won every game since that Everton draw. You know, how long ago does that seem? Mm. Now, now you can look at this in a couple of ways. Um, I, I totally agree with Stu with the fact that this is these are just the hallmarks of a title-winning side. You look at any title-winning side and they will look back to games like Southampton, like Huddersfield, like Bournemouth, where, mm. where the breaks have just gone for you at the right time, that sort of thing. What I'm wondering, though, is we've now had a period of three games where they've really had to fight. The final, they, they weren't very good against. Uh, Huddersfield, they really had to fight to get, get a point and they 
the goal was lucky wasn't it there's no two ways about it you make your own look but it was a, a deflection that goes in uh, and then in the 96th minute after what was it five minutes of injury time they they win last night are we seeing sign, signs of sides perhaps figuring out just beginning to figure out a way to to contend with City now obviously they've won all those games but Huddersfield and Southampton have run them very, very close. Is this the sign of that? Are teams going to start emulating that? I, th- I think it's been there all season. And I think it was there last season as well. Teams have just come and get 10 men behind the ball. Um, it's just, I think it's more about a little bit of belief. You know, Huddersfield went out on Sunday and they've got nothing to lose. You know, they, everyone's expecting them to get spanked 4-0. But they go out and set up well, organise well, defend deep, but with a lot of determination, a lot of aggression. Um, and it almost worked for them, you know, they very nearly pulled off a great result. Um, and it, that becomes a little bit a uh, little bit of a, an epidemic because the Southampton lads watching that will be thinking, well, if Huddersfield can nearly beat them, we're, we're perhaps a cut above Huddersfield, we could go to City and really upset the apple cart. Again, nothing to lose because everyone's expecting them to, to lose heavily. But they just go out and set up well. They've got a very good manager uh, who's tactically astute. You know, who comes from the same school as Guardiola, but has got a little bit of a um, an Argentinian defensive mindset as well. Um, and they, they set up really well. They had ten men behind the ball all the time. They were allowing City a little bit of width, um, which worked for them even better because Sane wasn't there. You know, somebody who can beat somebody and put in a quality cross. Um, I just thought they they got things quite spot on. They they also created chances, as we mm. said earlier. You know, they. they they were, they were looking to get set pieces and then, and then prey on that, which is, again, they've done the homework. City have not been great at set pieces this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are there are issues. Um, we spoke to Ilkay Gundogan in the tunnel after the game, uh, and he pretty much said that. He said, it's something we're going to have to work on. We're going to have to work on a way of combating that, find something new, you know, look at look at what teams are doing to us and react to, what they're, to how they're reacting to, to us. Um, I think David Silva. We were saying it after about two minutes in the press box. Oh, they're missing Silva. Mm, you know, yeah. which he do. I mean, Gundogan's a great player, but he's not. He's not got the same kind of um, the experience of the Premier League that David Silva's got. He's not got. The, he's he's not got the, the same touch and balance and the turn and the ability to find space and find space for others. He's got other attributes and he's. You know, he, he's good at those things, but Silva is quite brilliant at them, and mm. I thought they missed him. Um, and he, he should be back on Sunday and he should be back for the big games later in the season and I, th- I think that was a factor but you're right, I think I think teams are coming up with a plan against City um, and when you see teams getting success to a degree as Huddersfield and Southampton have done you know, West Ham will come here I mean, if they're not totally demoralised by events last night at Everton uh, they'll come to City on uh, on Sunday with a with a similar outlook, I think. I wouldn't disagree with that, but what I would say is there's a danger of overgeneralising because I think Huddersfield played a lot better, actually, than Southampton did. I actually thought City had a slightly off night last night. Mm. I think you could see Pep on the touchline jumping up and down and getting frustrated far more than perhaps he did at Huddersfield. 
Um, and one of the things he was screaming about, and obviously Sane didn't play in that game, was the fact that there was no width on the left-hand side. Now, if Mendy had been fit, and we saw him limp down the touchline at the end of the game, um, which proves he's, he's still some distance away, as if we ever doubted that. But with um, as, good, as good as he played Fabian Delph, and I think he's having a, a great season and contributing very richly to City, they're already having to play slightly different on that left-hand side because he's not a pacey, overlapping full-back. Now, when Sane's in there, that doesn't matter because you've got Sane on that side. But last night, Jesus was playing, or was supposedly playing, on the left-hand side. I know people sort of say, well, you know, he was playing two strikers, but... First of all, I don't think that's the case with Jesus. I think he was intended to play on the left. But if you looked at Pep, Pep was trying to get the message over to Jesus quite a lot. Move over, expand, go wide. Because that's how you get round one of these teams that, that parks the bus, which Southampton did to a certain extent. But I thought the absence of Silva, I thought Gundogan, who is a player I rate very highly, but the same criticism that maybe. It was level, uh, can be levelled at Yaya Toure these days. You could almost level at Gundogan's performance last night in that he slowed things down a little bit, um, and and so it needed that glue, that that uh, David Silva touch, and that pace of Sane, and I think that was a big difference. But you're right. I mean, uh, teams will look at what Huddersfield did, and they'll look at what Southampton did, and they will try to to do to copy that. That's what happens in football when Chelsea won the Champions League a few years ago by defending the way all the way through to winning it. They weren't the best footballing team in it. That prompted all the copycats the following season. When a team, if and when a team, hopefully like City, wins the league, you'd like to think that will prompt some copycats who will think, well, ah, that's the way to do it, play expansive football. But it swings and roundabouts, it goes backwards and forwards. So what City need to do now is thrash one of those teams that park the bus and say, that's not the way you're going to beat me. And, uh, and then hopefully that will go away again. But it'll never completely go away because there's certain teams in the Premier League who will always use that as their modus operandus, won't they? You're not talking about United, are you? Possibly. I asked, <laughs> I asked Guardiola last week, actually, does he think that if City win this way, the way they're playing, if, if, if he can prove that that could be successful in this country... Uh, Will that start a new breed of uh, a style of football? Will, will the teams try to emulate it? And he came out with one of the, I think, one of the best quotes of the season. He said, uh, "Copy and paste doesn't work in football." Um, he, and basically said, "No." You, you managed to get the best quote. I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was saying. Unbelievably. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I, I get his point, and I, I would agree with him. I don't think teams will. I don't think this will spark more teams saying, "Right, we're going to play the city way," because. It's an incredibly hard way to play. True. And to play that way, you've got to have the players they've got. Mm. And there aren't that many of those players around, or teams can't afford them. And they certainly can't afford to have two for every position. Um, I think it's also it's easier to stop than be proactive. And I know that this is Guardiola's big thing. It's true. He that. says, we always, we always want to be the proactive team. We want to be the team that makes things happen, not the team that stops things from happening. And both are totally valid things, aren't they? As a fan, you want to watch a team that makes things happen but it's, it's easier to set up to stop isn't it of course and I think the natural reaction from teams will be to say right Huddersfield have come really really close there Southampton have come really really close if we play the percentages and get two three four corners set pieces a game we might just might just get them and that's 
that's the way I think it will work. The other factor, of course, is that not only do teams think that that might be a way they could win the game, but even if you take the more negative view, which is let's keep the score down, we don't want a 7-2, we don't want a 6-0. If you play that consistently all the way through, there's an argument to say that most managers and most sets of fans would come away. Even Southampton fans will have done it and said, well, we only got beat 2-1. And before the game on the tram, I was heading to the game on the tram, there were some Southampton fans on the tram and, and they were talking to the City fans and talking to me and saying, oh, we'll be happy if we keep it down to three tonight. So that is a mentality. So Also, who's going into a game against City these days thinking, we might win this? If you can get a draw against City, yeah. no one can get a draw against them. You get a draw against City, that's brilliant. That's yeah. Or, no, or, Huddersfield, or, or. Huddersfield and Southampton had two great results. Yeah. Going to 80-odd to 90 minutes, level. Stuart will confirm because... Oh no, you weren't at the dinner. Sorry, I was thinking you were at the dinner. But I was at the football writers' dinner on Sunday night. David Wagner, the Huddersfield manager, was actually the guest of honour, and he was applauded into the room. He was lauded, "Well done, and you great result yeah. today." They actually lost, so that proves the very point that you're making. That if they'd have, if they'd have got beat four-one and had a go, nobody would have been saying that, would they? But because they kept it down to two-one, well done, great result today. Isn't it great that, that that's how the opponents look at City these days? That only being beat by one goal is a, is a result. It would take what you say about the copy and paste, but I mean, I, I got a lot of stick earlier in the season because I said that I wrote, it was a little bit mischievous, but I wrote a piece saying that City have got to win the title for the sake of football because mm. if Mourinho's pragmatic approach wins, people will go down that road. I think I retweeted that, because that was brilliant, (laughs) by the way. If people see Guardiola's expansive, attacking, entertaining style of football winning, they'll go down that road. I wasn't really talking about Huddersfield and Southampton copying Pep Guardiola. I was talking more about the top teams who, excuse me, who can afford big players, who can afford to put together a team like Guardiola's done. So you're talking about United, Chelsea, to an extent Arsenal, Tottenham. You know, who, who could, who have got that choice, who could sort of bring in players who, who will take them the Guardiola way or they can go the Mourinho way. Uh, and I think with the derby looming, this becomes a moot point now. Mm. Do United, does Jose Mourinho, even though it's a home game where traditionally United, there's a demand on them from their fans to attack, does Jose Mourinho take a Huddersfield and Southampton mentality into that game or does he back his team? Because he's got some great attacking players, he's got a lot of pace. A lot of creativity, or does he try and close City down and look for set pieces? Because I think the latter. Yeah, I do as well. And what a shame that is! What it a, is shame a shame that a, a club, shame. a club of United's mm-hmm. stature and their attacking tradition and heritage has come to that. We we could be faced with a fantastic derby if he lets them off the leash. Mm-hmm. If he lets United attack, all right, they might lose the game. It could but, be five but, four though, couldn't but, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Guardiola does that. Guardiola takes those risks yeah. all the time, and he would take the risk in that game. He did it at Chelsea. He let his players go out and play, and they won the game. They could have lost the game quite easily because Chelsea were good, um, but he didn't. And what you know, for me, this is what football's about. You want two teams having a go at each other. It, it bored the pants off me last night to a large extent that game and it's not City's fault because mm. they're going out to win the game and, I, and I, I'm not criticising Southampton for it because I understand you know, where managers are coming from they've got their jobs to think of um, and I understand why players do it um, but personally I go to a football match because I want to see two teams having a pop at each other uh, and if you get the two best teams in the country which United and City are at the moment I want to see them have a go at each other and then best man wins 
Um, it's like two boxers, you don't want to see a chess match, you want to see him having a go. Um, and you want to see skill as well as aggression and everything else, everything that puts together a football match. And I just, I just hope that Mourinho sees a light in the next 10 days. I don't think he will. Speaking of bottle the t- that speech, by the way. That was brilliant. That's <laughs> Speaking of a boxing match uh, with the two best boxers, that brings to mind Pacquiao and Mayweather. And Pacquiao, if any of those two actually went out to try to win that fight, it was, it was Pacquiao. And who won it comfortably? Mayweather. Mm. And Mayweather is probably more the Jose Mourinho style, isn't he? Defense, of, the, of, the, of the great, defensive. great yeah, 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 tactician, defensive. Um, I, I would say with the um, with the hoping teams emulate. If you look in this country, two of the managers who are perhaps most ridiculed, um, Wenger, Klopp, and they're probably the most Veng- uh, most Guardiola like, aren't they? That they want to attack, and as soon as it goes wrong, they get slaughtered, don't they? Mm. And that's why more don't follow, isn't it? Yeah. And the ones who are lauded are Antonio Conte, who's pragmatic, Mourinho, pragmatic. Even, but they even win at they lower win, levels, Allardyce and Pulis yeah. and whatnot are, are, are lauded, aren't they, and get new jobs, whereas maybe the Dreamers, at that middle level, I'm not talking about yeah. the top level, at the middle level of the Premier League, they're not valued the same, are they, as the... You know, as and the, I wonder how long Marco Silva is going to be enjoying this moment. Because exactly. He can only lose 4-2 at home, or was was, was it 6? Six? 6-0 six, six against City? Yes, yeah, 6. Yeah. You know, there's only so many of those games he can lose <laughs> like that, and people say there, the, he's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's refreshing, but you're losing games, you get hammered. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, it's just funny with United, though, because I mean they've always had that, that tradition. I, I remember, the thing is, it's become all about the result. The mm. result is everything these days, and that's why... Managers like Conte and Mourinho get so much, so much credit, and perhaps more attacking managers don't. Uh, and I just think that's a shame. And certainly for a club like United, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember the mid seventies and Tommy Doherty's team didn't win anything. It won a cup in 1977, but the fans loved them. And if they showed any kind of signs of sitting back, the Stratford then used to sing "Attack, Attack, Attack." It was basically saying, "No, we don't want to see this. We want to see you having a go at them." You know, and it's just a shame that you know, come the derby, the Stratford end won't be singing attack, attack, attack in that game. They'll be, you know, they'll, they'll be thinking defend, defend, defend. Apart from lads of my age, obviously, they'll, uh, they'll be celebrating every tackle, won't they? Every but, block. Yeah, but and, yeah. Why has it come to this? Yeah. You know, you want to see your team go out. So you want to see your team, especially a, a team of United stature. You want to see them go out and attack and have a go and make a football match of it. And I. I I can't see I can't see it being a classic derby. I think it'll be another dull derby. We've seen a lot of those in, in the last few years since City started, you know, mm. being dominant in Manchester. Really, um, and that, that's just a shame for me. Psychologically, though, that if United were to go for it in the derby and fail, then that would surely that would have such a detrimental effect on their confidence. Whereas if they go into it and try to prevent City from scoring, even if they were to fail. No doubt the, the debates afterwards would be about some you know, bad refereeing decision or offside goal or something to blame because Fergie played that card quite a lot when United had bad results. Jose Mourinho does it a lot when they have bad results. Whereas if he knows and the players know that they really went for it and they gave the best they could and they went toe-to-toe with City and then lost, that's such a shattering thing psychologically at this stage of the season isn't it so you almost protect your own mentality by going into it in that other way um, because that means if you do, unless you get battered that's different but if they lose by one goal they can walk away from it and go maybe we should have played differently and 
you know, they were a bit lucky and they had that, that penalty. It wasn't really a penalty. They didn't really beat us, did they? And you, you maintain that integrity in your, in your head. But if they go out and really go for it and then fail, then you, you're just wiped out psychologically, aren't you? I agree. I can't see any way United going for it. More so now, I think, they'll be going there thinking, they'll be at Old Trafford, but they'll be, they'll be thinking, we just can't lose this game. Because they lose it, there's so much to lose, isn't it? The, the other thing is, what is happens definitely with, with United at Arsenal as well? I know, but a draw at least keeps it... Percentages This is where some, uh, this weekend is so important because United go to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. If they don't win that game, I mean, we're presuming that City will beat West Ham, which that's got, a fair presumption. It is a fair presumption, but we thought that last night. Yeah. And, and you know, these bananas have West Ham reached a point where they've got nothing more to lose, and they just they just go out and and perform. You know, it could happen. They've got a new manager. He might just might just turn things around. But if United don't win at Arsenal and then City do beat West Ham, it's a huge gap. Yeah. And the the onus is on United then to win the derby. They can't. The, it's the home derby. They mm. can't go out surely and look for either a draw or to scrap a get a scrappy winner. Um, if they sit back against City, I don't think this United team are that good defensively. But from what I've seen mm. of them, you know, I've seen them sitting back and lose to teams like Basel. You know. Um, so if they can lose to Basel in that fashion, they can certainly lose to City in the same same road. So for the sake of the derby, for the sake of there being a, an all-time classic derby, United have got to lose against Arsenal. Is this what uh, you're so at least, well, then, yeah, yeah, that would be helpful. I think. I think that would be helpful. Um, <laughs> I think City fans would be okay with that, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah I'd yeah, live with that. Yeah. Go with that yeah. <laughs> okay, it seems like a good a good time to call an end to this. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, Stu. Cheesy. My pleasure. Remember, you can keep up to date with all our latest episodes by subscribing to Audio Boom or iTunes. Please do leave your rating. Uh, we'd love to know what you think. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>